Hello, everyone. You're listening to Family Talk, the radio broadcasting ministry of the James Dobson Family Institute. I'm Dr. James Dobson, and thank you for joining us for this program. Welcome to Family Talk Weekend. I'm Roger Marsh, and thanks for making time during your weekend to take us along or to have us with you at home. Family Talk is listener-supported radio, and your partnership makes these programs possible. We have a great program for you today, so let's jump right in. Well, welcome back to Family Talk, the voice you trust for the family you love. I'm Roger Marsh, and today we are continuing a delightful change of pace as I step into the guest co-host seat to interview Dr. Dobson himself. Now, we will talk about some of the experiences and stories most of us don't really know about him. We truly hope that you will enjoy this program and the tales of how Dr. Dobson has gotten to where he is today. By the way, if you missed any of part one, I encourage you to listen to it, and you can do so when you go to drjamesdobson.org forward slash family talk. Well, there's still so much to discover, so let's not miss a minute. Here is the second part of my interview with Dr. James Dobson, right here on Family Talk. I'm not Dr. James Dobson. I'm Roger Marsh, uh, sitting in the host's chair today, giving you a chance to go behind the scenes of Dr. James Dobson's legacy and life and hearing some fascinating stories that I've never heard before. I know many of our Family Talk listeners haven't heard, but it's wonderful, Dr. Dobson, that you're taking this time to share these stories because so often you're the one interviewing someone and here you now you're allowing me to ask you just about anything. I don't think we've – nothing's off limits at this point. Is that correct still? It is correct. I have not shared them because I'm not sure anybody cares. Oh, <laughs> but, oh we do. Uh, we do. It has just uh, been an interesting life. 1979, Focus on the Family film series takes off. 1980, Ronald Reagan is elected president. There's a connection there. Ronald Reagan, of course, was elected president in November of 1980. And January the 20th, 1981, uh, he was inaugurated. And uh, to my surprise... I received an invitation to come to the inauguration and to the inaugural ball, and they sent me 10 tickets so I could bring four couples or eight other people and Shirley and me. And so we were thrilled beyond belief. I believed in Ronald Reagan, Mm -hmm. and I still do. I think he was an absolutely great president. And so we were standing there on the west side of the Capitol building, where the mall extends to uh, Abraham Lincoln, yes, yes, you know that mall. Well, we were about a half a block from where uh, the president laid his hand on Second Chronicles 14, which reads, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Uh, How we need a president now Mm -hmm. who will honor that scripture. But I was standing there, and my heart was filled with pride. It was called the New Beginning. Those signs were all over Washington. Now, I had come 
to Washington to catch a glimpse of the president, and I did at the inauguration. But our hope was to see him somewhere else during that day. And the inaugural ball was that night. And uh, there were nine inaugural balls, and we were at the ninth one. So it was after midnight Mm -hmm. when he showed up. We were at the Smithsonian uh, Museum, and we were waiting, and it was jammed. You could not move in that museum. How exciting. And it was thrilling, and uh, it was cold, very (laughs) cold. And we were all wearing heavy, formal overcoats. And when we arrived there, we checked them. And we were there for three hours, I guess, or four, before Ronald Reagan came. And about midnight, I said to my one of my friends that had come with me, uh, you know, when the president comes— Everybody's going to try to get their coats, and we're going to be stuck here forever. Let's go get our coats now. And so we did. The two of us left and went and got our coats. And as we picked them up, we had them over our arms, and a door swung open, and in came the Secret Service. They opened the door. He was standing there. I was three feet away from him. And as soon as that occurred, they announced that he and Nancy were coming to the platform. And and the president said a few words, and then he danced with Nancy. I didn't get a chance to talk to him. I didn't even shake his hand because he turned left instead of right. Uh-huh. But I want to tell you the interesting thing. Okay. Three years later, I had been invited by that president to come to the Oval Office and to the cabinet room and sit beside him with the jelly beans between right. us uh-huh. and advise him on how to strengthen the American family. Mm-hmm. And I came in there, was with him for a couple of hours along with other people who were there. After I had been there, they asked me to write what I said to him because there were four recommendations that I made to the president on that day. And he issued executive orders creating all four. And that was the beginning of my friendship with Ronald Reagan and with other projects that I had. I worked with him for five years. And I think the Lord had a plan somewhere in there but it was uh, – I was there off and on for five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll tell you one other thing about uh, Ronald Reagan. This is a very warm memory for me. The very last day Ronald Reagan met with his staff after his second term, he brought them all together, and it was a highly emotional thing. You can imagine, everybody was in tears. I was there. I had been invited there to talk about the fight against pornography, and the president had been working with us on that. And so I was sitting there quietly watching that final moment between the president and his staff and the warmth. They loved that man. We all did. And then he was gone. I had a dream shortly after that that was very symbolic. I dreamt that um, I was invited to the White House 
and like I had been so many times. And I went through the north gate, and I got there, and there was nobody there. The gate was open, and the guards were all gone. And I walked in, and I walked across the front lawn to the portico and the front door, and the door was standing open. And I walked in and looked around, and nobody was there. And I went up the stairs to the residence area, and the president had moved out. He was not there. That was the end of mm -hmm. the dream. Wow. You understand? Yeah. I was dreaming yeah. about the fact that this Cinderella experience and this wonderful president was over. It's done. Mm -hmm. And he's gone. And we definitely yeah. saw a culture change in the United States after Reagan's. No question about it. Uh, you know, I've also worked with Herbert Walker Bush. I sat with him alone in the Oval Office. I had a chance to work with uh, George W. Bush mm -hmm. in a less intimate way, but I did uh, some work with them too. Um, but the time with Reagan was... Uh, it's something I cannot describe, mm. but I get emotional about it I can tell. today. Still, it still has an impact 30-plus years later. Yeah. What a powerful memory I can see. You're, you're glowing right now mm -hmm. just remembering those times. Were there others, other powerful memories during that time for you? There were a lot of them, but uh, one that I would share with you was a state dinner that Shirley and I were invited to. And uh, I don't know if you know what those are. When a dignitary mm -hmm. is coming into sure. town, they have a, a state dinner, and they invite people that they want to honor. And Shirley and I were included in that. Only one, but it was quite a night. And it came to the night of the state dinner. And Shirley and I looked at each other and said, you know what? You don't take a cab to the White House. You go in a limousine. We never even thought about that. Hmm. So I picked up the phone. I called my assistant, Diotti, in California, and I said, you got to get me a limousine. And Dee didn't know one limousine from another, and she <laughs> got one that was about a block and a half long. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. This thing was It's like an aircraft carrier, right? <laughs> I couldn't even see Shirley from the other side of it. And we we, it. we drove up to the front portico. And one of the Secret Service men that I had become great friends with was standing there looking out the portico when our limousine drove by. Mm -hmm. And he was thinking, who in the world is that? In this boat. So yeah. we get out of this uh, limousine and... A Marine captain wearing white gloves, dressed to the nines, comes over and Shirley takes his arm, and I'm dragging along behind, and we go into the White House, and uh, you curl around, and then there is a long hall, I'm sure you've seen it on television, which is right uh, parallel with the Rose Garden. Yes. And so they're bringing us all in, and the hall has a little jog in it, and the photographers were all gathered right there to take pictures of the celebrities as they came by. 
And so Sylvester Stallone was right in front of us, and they introduced him, Sylvester Stallone, and the lights flashed, and it was (laughs) just like everybody, yeah, pop, 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 everything occurred at once. And then Michael J. Fox was next, and they took pictures of him, and then came to us. And the Marine turns to us and says, and your name, please? And we said, Dr. and Mrs. James Dobson. And he said, Dr. and Mrs. James Dobson. And there was silence. <laughs> there was not one, not one flashbulb. <laughs> I was not who they had in mind. And uh, it was really it was very sweet. We laughed over that. Oh, uh, there was, I think, one disposable camera down at the end where somebody <laughs> took one, one picture. One click, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Raquel Welch was wearing a white dress. Ooh. It was something to behold. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to be gross here, mm-hmm. but everybody in the White House was watching I've... Raquel Welch. And she went on through the evening and danced with Ronald Reagan and it was something to behold. And somebody about a month ago gave me a photograph of her and Ronald Reagan wearing that white. Did I mention it was a white dress? It was a white dress, <laughs> yes. I think we're very yeah. clear on that. Yeah. Yes. Well, <laughs> it was a, another Cinderella evening for us, exactly. and we loved it. Now, I don't talk about I haven't told that on the air, yeah. but for us, it was a highlight. Well, you're, you're on the hot seat. Wait, <laughs> we've turned the tables here today, Dr. Dobson, so of course the guest is going to answer some questions like that. <laughs> okay. Boy, the 80s were quite a decade in the Dobson household and with your ministry, too. I mean, at the start of the 80s with the film series and at one point having seven of the top ten best-selling books in America. What a, a way to kick that decade off and culminating with your work in the Reagan White House in the late mm-hmm. 1980s. And then and then the new era, George Herbert Walker Bush coming in, inaugurated mm-hmm. in 1989 and kind of ushering in the 1990s. You had a good relationship with uh, Bush 41, as they call him. I, I did. And uh, what a gracious man. I met him at the White House when he was vice president, and we had about an hour together, and that was May of 1988. That's significant because my mother died Mm. one month later, Mm. and he wrote me a personal note of consolation. That's the kind of guy he is. When I had my heart attack... Mm -hmm. I was in the hospital. This was in 1990, and we didn't uh, reveal who I was because we didn't want anybody coming in there. I Mm -hmm. really needed rest, and I needed to recuperate. Uh, So the hospital did not know my name until uh, George Herbert Walker Bush called to see if I was there. Wow. And then they were saying, who who is this masked man here? Um, But uh, let me tell you one quick story. Yes. This is a cute story. I went to the Oval Office to meet with uh, George Bush 41. And Millie was the name of their dog. Right. Uh, The first dog. Yeah. In fact... Barbara Bush wrote a book about uh, Millie, and uh, Millie was a spaniel. And uh, so I got there that day, and Millie was in the Oval Office, and she was lying (laughs) over by the window. 
And the president came over and talked to her, and she wouldn't get up. <laughs> and she just rolled her eyes up at him. And I said, what's wrong with her? And he said, she's pouting. I said, why is she pouting? And he said, well, the grandkids are here. And she gets very jealous when the grandkids uh-huh. come. Uh-huh. So she won't look up at you, and uh, she'll wow. lie there all day long. So that was Millie. She just uh, was very possessive sure. of the Bush family. And it d- doesn't matter if you're the president of the United States or not. When there's a dog that's pouting, that dog's going to have a good pout. Yeah, <laughs> because those grandkids shouldn't be there. Right. <laughs> Well, Dr. Dobson, we could spend several weeks talking about the famous celebrities that you have met and people who've sought you out and I'm sure that have surprised you in terms of Mm -hmm. saying, wow, I didn't realize like Ronald Reagan's invitation to his inauguration. You did have uh, an encounter, as it were, with Prince Charles that Mm. is is worth telling because not a lot of people would make the connection. Dr. James Dobson had a, a connection with Prince Charles. There were aspects of that meeting that I will really need to keep confidential because I feel like that was the understanding when we were together. But the essence of it is that I was given an invitation to fly to London and uh, to go to Prince Charles' estate in the Cotswolds. And uh, it was really a fascinating experience. Uh, he is a much more gracious man than people realize really? he is. Uh, you know, you think of him as obscure and British and stuffy, uh, yeah, stuffy. Uh, but he couldn't have been warmer to us. Invited Shirley and me, and we came up the night before, and we spent the night in a hotel across the street from his huge estate. And the next morning, we were ushered in uh, to the estate and. Uh, I would describe the decor of that building as shabby chic. Mm. Do you know those words? <laughs> yes, I do. Shabby chic means deliberately old looking. Sure, sure. And uh, I'd never seen that before. We walked down the hall toward his living room. There were bookshelves uh, there that were overloaded and were bowed in the middle, that kind of thing. Sure. You know. Um, we went into the living room and he met us there. There was a newspaper on the couch and the couch was a little frayed. Uh, just things like that yeah, that kind yeah. of surprised you think a prince royalty a would have next better. Next in line for royalty for the throne. And that's not the feel of the building, although it was gigantic. Um, We sat down and talked for about an hour, and we talked basically about uh, global warming, Hmm. uh, which is not a favorite topic of mine. I was going to say. I think that's why I'd been invited Mm -hmm. there, talked about the environmental factors and so on. And he had a farm across the street from this big estate. All of their farming is done without gasoline. As much as possible, it's done with old equipment and things like that. They're trying to preserve the environment. Um, he really takes that seriously. And uh, so we talked about that subject, and then a reference to God came up. I don't remember exactly how, but I think Shirley probably introduced it into the conversation. And that gave us an opportunity to talk about our faith 
And uh, he then said something that just amazed me, and people who've heard it since then can hardly believe it happened. But he said, I have a private chapel in the garden. Would you like to see it? Really? And nobody goes into that chapel. Uh, in fact, the woman f who for 20 years has taken care of the garden asked us what was in it because she's never been in it. Oh, my. And he built it out of materials that are on the estate. Mm -hmm. If you look at my book, Legacy, The Greatest Gift, you will see a photograph taken of Shirley and me and Prince Charles in front of that chapel uh, because Lovely. it's there. But anyway, he said, would you like to see it? And we said, of course. So he brought us out into this garden, which is gorgeous. It's so manicured and, and into uh, the, the opening of the chapel and uh, took us inside. Uh, it is small. It is a place where he goes to contemplate and to pray and to think. And uh, it has Byzantine art in it and a cross and a little bench where he kneels before the cross. And it's obviously extremely meaningful to him. And he brought you in there. He brought us in there. And we were also with the Bishop of Liverpool in the Anglican Church. And he had something to do with my being there. And so we stood and talked about the things in the chapel. And then he did something that also is never done. Prince Charles did this. He did. And this was a surprise to both the bishop and me because Prince Charles turned to the bishop and asked him to pray. Commoners like us never pray mm -hmm. with a member of the monarchy. That's just not done. Incredible. But he prayed a wonderful evangelistic prayer. It was really a beautiful prayer. And then I did something that I still can't believe I did. This was one of a kind. I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> I said, Your Highness, may I pray for you? Mm. And he said, I would like it if you would do that. Oh, wow. And then I prayed with Prince Charles. Beautiful. And it was a precious moment. Yes. And outside, uh, the Navy, representatives from the Navy, including two or three helicopters, were out there waiting for him. He was 45 minutes late to review the British Navy. And he stayed with us for 45 extra minutes out there. He showed us around the grounds. He showed us the wedding gift that they had been given by the Army when he and, and, Diana. and Diana married and, and the other things. His wife, Camilla, yes. was not there. But uh, we spent a good part of a half day uh, there, and it was just a very special time. You and Prince Charles. Uh, yes. Just and, praying. And, in his private chapel. Yes, and we corresponded afterward. Uh, I've now lost touch uh, with him, but I will always appreciate the fact that I had an opportunity to be there. A lot of people uh, don't consider him one of their favorite people because he leans uh, sometimes in a Muslim direction. Not that he is Muslim, mm -hmm. but uh, doing what he can for mosques and things like that. All I saw 
was a very gracious uh, man who has a meaningful faith and is dead serious about the environment more than I happen to be. <laughs> but you can have a great appreciation for yeah, uh, Prince he, Charles' concern. He knows what he believes. What great stories we have heard here on Family Talk. I'm Roger Marsh, and this was the conclusion of my two-part conversation with Dr. James Dobson, with Dr. sitting in the guest seat, telling about his fascinating life. You know, Dr. Dobson has certainly built that lifelong legacy, serving God and fighting to protect the sanctity of the family. And that knowledge has been compiled into one resource for you to utilize in guiding you and your family to grow closer to the Lord and to each other. It's called The Complete Marriage and Family Home Reference Guide, written by our own Dr. James Dobson. It's a go-to guide for families at every stage in life, from toddlers to teenagers, and how to make your marriage last through the ups and downs of life as well. This is a complete, comprehensive resource that includes time-tested and biblically-based information, which cover a wide range of issues any family may face. You know the ones. Money, building a strong spiritual foundation, discipline, sibling rivalry, and much more. This book will bring you a wealth of knowledge for practically any situation that might come your way. Now, of course, the JDFI is a completely listener-supported broadcast outreach, and that's why we are pleased to make available to you the Complete Marriage and Family Home Reference Guide as our way of thanking you for a gift of any amount in support of the Dr. James Dobson Family Institute today. So visit our website at drjamesdobson.org forward slash family talk, and then you can click the link at the bottom of the page. Again, that is drjamesdobson.org forward slash family talk and then click the link for the complete marriage and family home reference guide well i'm roger marsh i pray that you have a peaceful and blessed weekend and invite you to join us again monday for another edition of dr james dobson's family talk this has been a presentation of the dr james dobson family institute